Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it as I said, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome, David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. Hey, we're glad that you're here. I have a friend of mine with me, Pastor Guy Beaumont. Uh, Pastor Guy, gives you, what kind of name is Guy? I mean, uh, what, where, did, where did that come from? Well, number one, there's no gender confusion. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. Uh, I, was, I was practicing with my son earlier before you got here, and uh, I asked him that. He goes, well, it's better than being called girl. <laughs> this, is, this is true. Well, actually, when we had our first daughter, I asked my wife if we could name her Gal, and she said no. Um, the name Guy, I asked my mom, why did you name me Guy? She said, because it's original and it's unique. And that was really it. So and it is awesome. So definitely no, I, love, I didn't know if it was short for something else. Or no, anything. no. I, we tease people, you know, like Guy Shardo and stuff, and then we never tell them that it's not true. Uh, <laughs> I don't but, know who Guy yeah. Shardo is. <laughs> I don't either. Just, we just made it up. Uh, awesome. So, um, so glad you're here. Tell, uh, tell me right now where you're from, um, where do you live, and what you're doing. So I live in a little town called Coopersburg. Uh, most people, if you think of Pennsylvania, you've heard of Allentown. It's the third largest city there, about an hour north of Philly. And I passed, my church was there for 18 years. We moved down to Coopersburg four years ago. And that's also where I live. So Coopersburg, Pennsylvania, and pastoring the church. This April, we'll be celebrating 22 years. Wow. Um, church plant. We didn't take a church. We, we started from scratch. I didn't raise support. Um, we just went out and started knocking doors. Uh, and have had a good time since then. I mean, that just everything about how we started, God just provided miracle after miracle. But like I said, yeah, 22 years. Awesome. And I'm not against guys raising support to start churches. No, I'm but not either. It's I'm so either. funny. That's how we did when we came here. I was going to get a job and work. And I remember praying this prayer and saying, God, there's so many people that need to be reached right now. God, if you can take care of me, I would love to start full time. And I feel like God hit me. If I can take care of you, oh, Okay, and so we started full time, and guess what? God, yeah. God did that. Yeah. So we were. <clears throat> I worked a full time job um, for two years, but less than a year 
there was money coming in where the church could start paying me. And so what I did was, even though there was enough to take me on full time, really in about 10 months, um, I wanted the church to know that I wasn't in it for the money. Mm. So I said, you know, let's go six months incremental and just see where it goes. So at two years, right, I was on full time. Awesome. So how did you get there? Uh, when were you saved and called to preach and trained and all that? Okay. So uh, born in 73, April 73, um, grew up, got saved when I was 11 years old. My family did not go to church. Uh, my mom got saved when she was a teenager, got away from God for over a decade. And then as we were getting older, she saw the need of us as a family getting to church. So when I was 11 years old, we visited uh, an independent Baptist church in New Jersey. And my stepfather got saved. My, um, my, brother got, my older brother got saved. My mom was saved. I was the only one who refused to get <laughs> saved. Uh, but I knew... You know, something that I share all the time when I'm preaching or talking to people for, for, for months every night. Again, I know this isn't theologically accurate, biblically accurate, but I, I prayed, Lord, don't come back tonight because if you do, I'm going to hell. Wow. Like I knew, I, and man, just it, it, was, it was powerful. Um, and it was Resurrection Sunday, April 22nd, 1984. Uh, I can't even tell you what the preacher preached on, but I guarantee you it was on the resurrection. Yeah. Um, I had already decided through the message, through the service that I was going to walk the aisle and get saved. Um, and man, as soon as that invitation started, I jumped up, I went to my preacher and I said, he said, he, he thought I was saved. Mm. Uh, and he said, what can I do for a guy? I said, I need to get saved and kind of stepped back and called the deacon over, took me to the back room. And I, I can't, I can't tell you, what exactly did you pray? What Bible verse? Like, I can't tell sure. you that because I don't remember. Here's what I can tell you. I walked in there knowing I was lost. I Amen. walked out of there knowing I was saved. Amen. Never prayed that prayer again. Lord, don't come back. I, I, I <laughs> knew that I got it settled. What, what pushed you off? Why did you not want to get saved uh, Pride. earlier? Pride. Pride. I mean, I was 11 years old, but <laughs> I was a loser. You know, I mean, I was, I, I was wicked. Um, I wasn't drinking or smoking, but just my pride, my mouth, my attitude, yeah. you know, I just, I knew that I was a sinner. I awesome. knew that. And I knew I was condemned to hell, you know, cause again, I've been here and preaching. Um, I just, just convicted by the Holy spirit. So um, saved so. at 11, finally, then, uh, called to ministry. Is that something? So that, that from 11 to 13, um, I struggled in just the whole growth, understanding Christianity, you know, it was, it was all new. My dad, because I mentioned my stepfather, my dad died when I was 13. Wow. He had cancer. Uh, and so that, that, those two years he was struggling and, um, but just me just growing, trying to understand when I was 13 years old, we came back from a teen activity and I stayed up the entire night. I remember on the floor, weeping, praying, um, telling God that I just, I want to live for him. Mm. I'm tired of living for me. I knew I was saved, but I knew I wasn't living right. So that was 13. We started going to Christian school when I was in the sixth grade. I was in public school uh, up through the fifth grade, sixth grade. We started Christian school. Um, I don't remember the age. Uh, so I was getting chapel. I was getting Bible books. I was getting, you know, all that. Um, I was at, I was asking people when I was 15 to 16, I, I, I was, I loved the idea of being a lawyer. I love the idea of debating. Yep. Anyone who follows me on social media probably picks up on that. <laughs> I love making cases. I love arguing. I love, yeah. you know, back and forth. I, I just, I love that. Um, so my, 
my goal was to work for CLA. Hmm. I had eaten lunches. My preacher was all for it. I was having lunch with different Christian lawyers, picking their brain, wow. making plans for college and, you know, grad school, law school and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, I felt like the Lord wanted me to serve him full time in a ministry capacity, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I would ask preachers and they didn't know how to explain it. Um, so it was frustrating, but at the same time, it was in my heart. And, you know, what do you mean you're called? What does that mean? How do you respond to that? How do you say God called me? How, you know, and preachers would give me stuff, but they would always say, you just know. You just know. You just know. You know, 49 years old, that's pretty much what I would say. You just yeah. know, you know, when God got his hand on you. And so it was at a winter retreat when I was 16 years old that I went forward and surrendered to serve the Lord full-time in a preaching ministry, whether that was youth or pastor. I wasn't sure of that then. But I remember praying and saying, Lord, I'm committing to do this. So if you've not called me, you need to shut the door because <laughs> I'm going full steam ahead. Mm. And um, a lot of people at that point were like, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's emotionalism. Guys right. like, you're at the team camp, you know. But all that did was just embolden me because I knew God, like the... The more resistance I got, not not humanly speaking, but spiritually speaking, it just emboldened me like, no, this is what God called me to do. Um, so that changed all my plans. Uh, and uh, I, I enrolled at Howells Anderson College in 1991 um, and got my training there uh, and just cut my teeth on preaching, uh, bus ministry. Uh, very, very, very involved in ministry. I just, you know, I, I had Dr. Evans preach for me. The second year of my church, wow. I flew him and his wife out, and we were driving out to lunch, and I said to Dr. Evans, or no, Dr. Evans asked me about college, learning, that kind of stuff, and I said, I I'm going to be completely honest with you, 90% of what I learned, I learned on the streets of Chicago, mm -hmm. and not in a classroom. Mm -hmm. um, you will get your Bible doctrine challenged by soul winning. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And so, um, yeah, so then uh, 96, moved back home to Pennsylvania and jumped into a church that had a brand new pastor. Um, it was neat. The first time I heard him preach, the man, he was in the Navy. The man that discipled him was a bus captain with me at House Anderson College. Wow. So an instant connection there. Um, started the youth ministry, and then from there just... I was had all the ministries in the church there. We were having a great time, and then the Lord laid on my heart to start a church. And so, 2001 in April, uh, two weeks before we started the church, I met with a few families who I'd been talking to about starting a church. And uh, so we met on a Sunday afternoon at a restaurant, and I shared we're going to start a church. And they're like, "Awesome! When?" I said, "Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday." Hmm. And they said, "Awesome! Where?" I said, "I have no idea." <laughs> I literally had no idea. I'm trying to find buildings. I'm, you know, the very next day on a Monday, I get a phone call. Is this Pastor Beaumont? I haven't started a church yet, so I've never <laughs> been called Pastor Beaumont. You know, as a youth pastor, I was brother guy. Sure. Um, so it weirded me out. I get this phone call. Is this Pastor Beaumont? And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a women's club, a women's club that had rented a church building. It was theirs. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They owned it. They were willing to rent it out to us. Wow. 
they heard from one of their ladies in their group who heard from somebody that there was a church looking to get off the ground. And she said, we did this one time before, you know, two decades ago. And, you know, come up, bring your wife. My oldest, who's now 22, was seven months old. Um, wow. And so I brought them that night, Monday night, to share what I wanted to do. <clears throat> to share what I wanted to do, and uh, they said, "Let's do it." And so awesome. that that started the Harvest Baptist Church. Beautiful, two thousand one. So tell me about family. I uh, I know you uh, married way over your head, and uh, so um, uh, how did you guys meet? And uh, how did you convince her to uh, marry you? And then uh, and then the kids. That's that's the lawyer in me. I convinced her. <laughs> um, I spent five years of college dating a lot of girls only to leave there with none. Hmm. Uh, my very first Sunday back, it wasn't my home church because we moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania in June. I started Bible college in August. So I wasn't in the church they were going to. I, I didn't know anybody there. So fast forward five years, I come back that Sunday and my brother was there and his wife and we're staying. It was Memorial Day weekend and I'm standing there and I said, are there any godly available young ladies here? And as soon as I said that, this young lady literally was walking right in front of us. And my brother pointed at her and went, her, she's the <laughs> best one here. She's the most godliest young lady. She's the one. I said, okay, I'll date her. And he said, well, I didn't say she dates you. I just said she's the best. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I was telling people that I was dating and I hadn't even asked her out yet. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I asked her out and she said yes. And we dated. Uh, that began in June of 96. And uh, November of 98, we got married. Beautiful. And we have six children, four boys. My oldest is 22. Uh, Grayson's 22. Austin is 20. Gavin is 17. My daughter will be 16 in February, Rowan. Um, and then I have a nine-year-old son, Trayton, and an eight-year-old daughter, Rylan. Beautiful. So. Awesome, isn't it? Amen. Ah. Love family serving life. God with family. They're just serving God is great. My wife plays the piano. My son is the song leader. My other son plays the cello. So that's it's, great. There's nothing Nothing's like it. Better. Well, this podcast is called the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. So, um, so you've been in the ministry for a while. You've been around and seen some things. What do you see the biggest problems, or what do you see in fundamentalism right now? Direction, purpose, biggest problems, biggest issues that you see. So. I don't see any issues with fundamentalism. I see issues with fundamentalists. Mm. And that's probably the same in any group of people, believers, so forth and so on. I love fundamentalism. Um, I, I, I've said it many times. If there is anything that followed the Bible closer than the independent fundamental Baptist, I would be it. Sure. Uh, but there isn't. There just isn't. Um, and so... Uh, that when it's in its pure form, you know, which it is, I, I'm all for it. Um, now, guy, it's amazing you say that because how many stories have we heard of of somebody that was saved or in another country? They all they had was a Bible, and somebody meets them and says, "What are you? What do you mean? Are you Presbyterian, Lutheran?" Like, I don't know. I just believe the Bible. So they start going through all the different doctrines. What do you believe about this? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about this? And they get done telling him what they believe about everything, and the other person tells them, oh, you're a Baptist. <laughs> uh, you're an independent yep. Baptist, yep. because yep. if you just had the Bible, 
and you didn't have any other creed or anybody telling you what to look at and what to believe, that's what Amen. that's what you would come up with. So in the purity of the form, exactly yeah. that. And it's been neat too because for 22 years we've rented uh, buildings from churches. Uh, I could share stories where we've had buildings given to us, offered to us, things fell through. Uh, wild stories. Yeah. But regardless, it's where we are. But we've been in a Nazarene church. We've been in a Church of God. We've been in a UCC church. Uh, they say it stands for United Church of Christ. We call it utterly confused Christians. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing. You just take something like what we call the Baptist distinctives. We call them the Baptist distinctives. They're just Bible principles. Right, exactly. They're all supported with the Word of God. But you take those to other churches and denominations, and they're not there. Yeah. You know, I, I went into a couple of those churches to talk to the pastor, and the pastor's like, I, I don't call the shots. you got to take it to the board. we got a problem. You know, we are missing the principles here. Mm -hmm. So just, so yeah, um, you know, so I, I love, fu I, I love fundamentalism. I love my fundamental brethren, but we may not agree on everything. Sure. And I'm okay with that. They may not be okay with that. You know, I have a beard and there's, you know, there's those who don't <gasps> like the beard. And, oh, yeah, no. I, I know, I know. Well, this is audio <laughs> and the, you can't see that, you know, we could have hidden your sin. No, now, there you go, there you go. Exposed I, it I, to I, the I, world. I don't hide it, I brag about it. <laughs> um, it but I've said this for about the last decade and a half. The, the two issues that I've seen that I think are hurting us and I'm going to talk about, I'm not talking about the like church people or lay people. I'm talking about the, the leadership, mm -hmm. pastors, evangelists, missionaries, um, those in positions of leadership, uh, pride, which is everywhere. Yeah. But when you have truth, when you believe that we have the perfect Bible, the perfect plan of salvation, the perfect way of doing things, um, there's a pride that develops with mm -hmm. that. And it's almost as if preachers think that it's because of them yeah. <laughs> that a, a pride gets developed and an arrogance, um, and that's nauseating uh, and hurtful um, to people. Second one, which I think is extremely big, is insecurity. Mm. And in our modern-day world of social media, a lot of preachers, the insecurity pours out. Uh, of their mouths, their fingertips, I should say, um, because they 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 they're, they don't want to be questioned. They don't they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be challenged. They don't, and so there's a lot of insecurity. This pastor has more followers, or he gets more likes, or that there's just you know, uh, I've had preachers. I, I I had a preacher tell me one. I said, why don't you bring a group up to my church? We're having a special service. It was an off night. You know, we, we want to be blessing to you. They were. They were struggling, and the pastor said no because he's afraid that his people would want to start coming up to my church. Mm. I know preachers that don't bring preachers in because they're afraid that they'll like their preaching. Preacher. And that, man, the more people I can come in to preach, to feed my people in different, right. different styles and techniques, I'm all for it. I say that about my own kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm not your only source of truth, humanly speaking. Right. Man, build bridges to good people and, you know, let them speak truth into you and life into you and love into you. But pride and insecurity to me are what I'm seeing are two of the uh, biggest uh, detriments so, to our circle. Let's go back on that. So for pride, and like you said, 
<laughs> we're right. We believe right on salvation, eternal security, the Bible, the truth, the King James, uh, you know, all the doctrines there. If we weren't right, then we would join a group that was. Right. And so we believe that. Um, so how do you keep from the pride coming in, quote, when we are right? How do we keep the pride from coming in when we know we're right? Uh, I think, I don't think I know, without me, ye can do nothing. Amen. So when we have the truth and it becomes common knowledge to us, I can win a person to the Lord in my mm -hmm. sleep as far as the method. Sure. I can't control their heart, but you know what I'm saying. Me giving it. Um, and then we start seeing results and it becomes about us. Mm -hmm. We see any degree of success. We get any degree of followers. We get, you know, and, and, and you know, it becomes to where now we are, well, we're too big for our own britches. Yeah. You know, Thank you. the fact that God uses any of us. Absolutely. And look, we as preachers say it because we know it's the right thing to say. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to say it if you're living it. Right. I tell my church all the time, you don't have to go around and tell people you're a Christian. We'll know. Mm -hmm. You don't have to tell people you're spiritual. We'll know. My life's verse is 1 Samuel 3.10, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Mm. And I've tried to make it a priority at 22 years of pastoring. I'm here to serve. That's it. I don't need special, you know, I know it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I never <laughs> mention it. I don't say it. I don't need anything. I don't right. desire anything. I don't get offended if they don't do anything. Right. You don't even have to recognize my birthday. And they do, but it's not. Sure. It literally, like, I'm uncomfortable with that. Uh, but yet there are some preachers who act like, you know, you need to do this and you have to do this. And, you know, me, me, and I just, and that, again, that pride, that, that is so, and I struggle with it. I'm not sitting here saying that, I don't, that I'm not prideful about things. Uh, I absolutely am. Um, and it's not right. Uh, but this, this, this pride is, bless God, I'm King James. I know what you're stupid, you know, mm -hmm. that's not helping anything well when i asked you that question in my mind i'm answering that you know because you said okay these are the two big problems that you see and you nailed it it's it's if we're a servant then it's not about us it's about serving the people and doing what god wants us to do so the pride's not there because all we are is a servant and so that's the right mindset with it and anything that we're right on um and we talked about this earlier just we think it was of us. No, it's not. I had good teachers and preachers. And when anybody praises, oh, wow, you really know this. No, I had good teachers. I had good preachers. I thank God for Dr. Jack Hiles and the teachers that I had that instilled in me and helped me because nothing's mine. Nothing's original with me. Um, but boy, I thank God for the preachers and teachers that we had to be able to help us and guide us in the way. And you can't get proud when it's it's serving God and the people that he invested in me. It's not us. Yes, yes. I totally agree with that. Um, I'm in a position, so uh, I'm 49. I, I, I still think that I'm young. I don't feel like I'm young. <laughs> I still think that I'm young. But I am, in my opinion, I'm still connected to the older generation. Mm -hmm. I sat at the pastor schools and listened to Lee Robertson, Tom Malone. Jack Hiles, you know, you go through the names. I yep. listened to them. I listened to them. I heard them. I, I, I spent time with them. 
Um, I was sitting in my office one day and Tom Malone called me on the phone. Is this brother Beaumont? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. I want to go upstairs and put a suit on. You know, it's just, <laughs> so I, I, I'm connected to that. At the same time, they're off the scene now. And there's these younger preachers who've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. They've heard of them, but they've never heard them. Right. So they don't see their heart. They just, they read a book or something like that. And I feel like I'm tied to them even culturally and generationally. I feel like I'm right in that middle where I'm hanging on to the old school, the old paths, those old fiery preachers, because I love them and the influence that they gave. But at the same time, you know, I want to pass it on to these young guys. And I think one of the things that's happened is my generation in the middle here, we have allowed culture and preferences to define who we are, where we stand. It's almost like what the Bible teaches isn't enough. Mm-hmm. We have to add our shtick, mm-hmm. our unique status to give us legacy. Um, and that could be attacking the old preachers. We see a whole lot of that. Right. Let me attack them. You know, uh, nobody, none of us are going to say that they weren't flawed sure. because we're flawed. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's not about a, perfect follower it's about a perfect savior that's what we're trying to focus on and so the you know they'll have positions that this newer generation will mock but they don't understand the culture and why they had those positions Mm -hmm. and agree their preferences um but to the younger generation they make them doctrinal issues and me in that middle i don't make it a doctrinal issue Mm -hmm. it's you know we talk about my beard you know there was a day when i preached against beards because the old school preachers preached against beards i didn't have a lick of bible for it um and so you hear that and the younger guys get all offended and get all upset and, you know, it's not worth, you know, it's a cultural thing uh, that to me isn't worth fighting over. Yeah. Um, it's amazing too, because I, I know you've been in some battles and I'm sure people who know you would say, you know, some would say, you know, he's, you know, the guy is proud, but it's interesting. I love the story with David. David's brothers looked at him and said, I know thy pride and naughtiness of heart. They judged him for being proud. They didn't know his heart. David wasn't proud. David was being a servant to the Most High God, and he had a cause. And if you have a cause, and if you're a servant of the Most High God to the world, it might look like pride, but they don't know the heart. No, this is doctrine. This is issue. This is purpose. This is directional. Um, I have no pride. It's not about me, but it's about God and being a servant of God, and there's a cause and the world can look at that and say it's pride when it really isn't. And I know we've been on some of those uh, sure. arguments, debates, principles for a purpose and issue, sure. and we sure. may be judged sure. as proud, but that's not the issue. We're a servant, and there's a cause that God's given us. Yeah. And I think a, a side note or something that I can attach to that is confidence. You know, there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to, I don't like being accused of being cocky or arrogant because mm-hmm. literally that is not where I'm at. Right. I am extremely confident. I believe in what I believe. Yeah. Now, you know, you always have to be right. You know, I just, I think that I'm right. <laughs> Otherwise, why am I going to take that position? If I'm wrong, let's talk about it. But yeah. generally after two or three back and forths, if they last that long, the other person bails out and it becomes ad hominem. Right. You know, uh, there's a confidence, you know, Paul said, you know, I'm persuaded you know. Well, there's supposed to be. I love the Bible verse for this. The fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Mm-hmm. When we fear God 
and we have to give an account to God for our life and what we believe and how we stand and how we help people, then that fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And uh, the world can call it whatever they want to, but you just explained it. You know, this is right, and there's a purpose, and there's a reason. And I'm afraid too many preachers, because of, I think, the second one, the insecurity, are afraid to take a stand for things because someone's going to criticize them, someone's going to talk bad about them, someone's going to say something about them, and they can't handle that when it doesn't matter what they think or say. It matters what God says. Uh, On that second one, the insecurity, do you see that? um, That would definitely be insecurity on them because they fear being challenged. Mm -hmm. They fear being wrong. I'm not afraid of being wrong. Right. Again, just to stick with the issue because it's I've used it now twice. You know, I I I I I took a wrong position when I said you shouldn't preach if you got a beard. <laughs> Again, I have a Bible for it. I just had a lot of rah rah rah. You know, and, you know, Biles and Brother Tom Malone. You know, but it, I was wrong. Mm. Um, there are issues that I took in the past that were wrong that I got right. You know, I don't know where you stand. I I, I went to ha- Halloween. I grew up doing Halloween. Bones in Halloween. Did Halloween to Hal's Anderson College. <laughs> Haunted hay rides and bus yeah. promotions. But when I became a pastor and studying and leading my family and my church, I just thought as a Christian, it's, it's you know, I, I'm not going to participate in it. And we're not going to do it. And I, I'm not going to judge a brother mm-hmm. if he does. Right. He can exercise his Christian liberty. And that's, but he, here's what's funny is I can go on my social media, on my page and say, I don't believe Christians ought to participate in Halloween. Right. And they will come out of the woodwork with hand grenades. <laughs> and, I mean, attacking me, mocking me, making it personal. And I'm just like, good grief. I, you know, I don't go on other people's I, – I don't go on other people's pages right. and attack them. That's not who I am. Yep. But they don't have any – But to take a strong stand, and you're not – insecure right. in who you are right. is what I believe and this is right to be able to do and yeah I grew up with it never heard anything against it but then when you start looking at the Bible and going why this isn't biblical this isn't right, right. this is right. not what I want to teach my kids and I was everything from Santa Claus I'm not going to lie to my kids and tell right. them there's yep. a Santa Claus right. or a tooth fairy right. um, because I remember as a kid realizing what my parents lied to me for all these years, and yeah. it was fun, fun for them. wasn't fun for yeah. me to realize my parents lied to me. So we didn't do that with any of our kids. They've never done the Halloween. We didn't do the trunk or treat or right. church. Same thing. It's, a, same thing. it's the same thing. But like you said, they're Christian liberty. I can understand why some do that. And for the cause of Christ and the gospel, you know, they can justify that. But I think there's a lot better ways to show people how to be saved than using the devil's day or right. promotion or copying it enough to do that. Right. So yeah, right. yeah. And that's just an example. That. Yeah. But to get a Offended by my position, exactly, or insecure that's because it. that's it, and that is an issue with a lot of the brethren. It's just you know, and again, I, it's yep. sad because I'm not. You yep. can disagree with me, and I'm oh okay. Yeah, I'll respect your position. I'm not going to change mine, and I'm not going to change talking about my position. Right, right. You know, so um, the guy we we're. we're probably end up doing some more of these if you don't mind uh we've been we've been social media friends and seen each other a couple of meetings but uh i love the position and that you've taken and strong stand on things i would love to be able to help more people with this um when your advice to you're not uh, i still feel like i'm a young preacher and i'm 55 um and so at 49 yes you feel that way but we're not 
those young preachers in their 20s and in their 30s as they are making their decisions of what they're going to be and what kind of preacher they're going to be and what kind of direction they're going to go. Um, what advice would you give them? Because part of the reason to start this Fundamental Baptist podcast is to help younger preachers going different directions and knowing that the road they're on, the direction they're going is going to affect their life, their family, their children, and all of those things. So we're a little bit down the road. Um, I've got more, I only have three children that are not uh, 18 or up and out of 11. So, you know, we're on the back side of that and we've gotten to see, okay, the decisions, the direction that that we made and that we went, praise God, I'm so glad I did. And there were opportunities to go the other way. So what advice would you give as we're closing this first one that we're doing up? What advice would you give to that young preacher out there who's making determinations about his direction? Great, great question. Um, are we talking post-Bible college or Bible college? And or you can divide that up. You know, there's that teenage preacher boy. I don't think we have to do with him. He's following his preacher in his church, and that's what he Great. ought to do. But those guys in, in Bible college, getting out of Bible college, and they're deciding, you know, what kind of preacher. I mean, we heard the story, and probably most people hearing this did, when Dr. Howes was at um, Bill Rice Ranch, and this preacher came and said, hey, I asked a deeper life uh, pastor why I should be a deeper life. I want to ask you, fundamental soul winning pastor, why I'd be a soul winning pastor. And the answer Dr. Howes just kept giving him was, is there a hell? Is there a hell? Is there a hell? And that helped that young preacher to decide what kind of a preacher he was going to be. So that age when it's permanent, that 20, 21, 22, sure. 25 to sure. 30 years old, they're they're deciding what they're going to sure. be. And as we know, once you get out there, it's hard to come back. Yeah, on those well, yeah, we've so, seen that now. When is. you've been doing it for a couple of decades, you see that they're not coming back. Yeah. I'm not saying they can't. It's hard. Um, but you're seeing that, that they're not. A um, couple thoughts. One would be, don't lose your burden for souls. Mm. The second you stop soul winning, you're going to find something else to replace that's it. Good. And that's going to become a focus of your attention and how to make that successful. <clears throat> Number two, truth has to be paramount for your ministry. Truth. I mentioned we shared a building with the Nazarene Church. Mm -hmm. Their motto their motto was the name of their church where people matter most. Mm. Now that sounds awesome because if you're looking for a church, I want to matter Yeah, like that, that that's, that's catching. And they had a traditional service for 80 years. This pastor came in again. He's the one that brought in the motto. He followed a certain pastor. They started a contemporary had two services and I, me being in my church using the building, I, I had a front row seat yeah. to watching it take place for six years. Wow. And the church is even in existence today. Wow. The contemporary folks mocked and ridiculed the traditional folks. The traditional folks didn't. They just mm. wanted to serve the Lord. Mm. They mocked them. It was casual. It was noncommittal. I knew their finances. 75% of their budget was the traditional folks. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm watching this, and the pastor was contemporary. Um, and again, less than six years, church completely shut down. There is nothing. Wow. Their motto, where people matter most, and I told the pastor this I, because he'd come down and just talk to me, and we, you know, we would just talk. And I, that's not the biblical model. That's good. It's where truth matters most. That's good. If your philosophy becomes people, then you will change whatever it takes to get people. And I think one of the dangers of so many of our young preachers is they want to reach people, which is 
awesome. Absolutely. But they'll do whatever it takes to reach people. Mm -hmm. And the method matters. Absolutely. And so if you if I if truth is what matters, then that means I'm not going to be offended when you get mad at me because I preach truth. Mm -hmm. When you get mad at me because I challenge you to live by truth, to walk by truth, that won't offend you. Um and so as a pastor, I would say make sure truth is paramount. Not your truth, not your best friend's truth, yeah. not your favorite preacher's truth, not your camp quote-unquote truth, God's word. Make sure you are solid in that enough that you are established in truth. Um, so when you do get tempted for something that is bells and whistles, you know, measure it up with the word of God. That's good. Um, three, I would say stay away from those who our uh, heritage, our seasoned preachers aren't doing what they're doing. Stay away from that crowd. When I hear a preacher say, I, you know, I'm just trying to blaze a trail. We don't, there, there's, if, if you're blazing a trail, that means you're making a new path. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm okay with ideas, technology. I'm all for all that, sure. but a new path is not needed. It's already there. No, it's walking on. That's that's really good, and I think you put that very very well. When soul winning, winning souls, the Great Commission. When you can't lose your heart for that, and so many people do. If, if I've told people before, most people are looking for a church with a pastor as backslidden as they are, so they don't feel convicted to do anything because the pastor's not doing anything. And boy, if most people knew when the pastor led his last soul to Christ or knocked mm, on doors, mm -hmm. um, they would, I think, be shocked. Yeah. And so you're right, keep that main thing the main thing. Um, and then truth, where that's what matters, it's preeminence. And uh, and be careful those, the Bible says, to meddle not with those that are given right. to change. Yeah. You know, And I think that's the phrase. And when you see so many people just change, change, change what's going on. Right. I know when I was a young pastor, they would tell me on that question to find somebody down the road who yes. is doing what you want to do yes. and where you want to be and, and follow them. I think that was good advice, but the problem is many times those people changed or dropped off or whatever, and then Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If Paul stopped following Christ, then I'm not following well, Paul. Even Hebrews, it says, whose faith follow. Yeah. Doesn't say follow them, whose faith follow. Right. There, were, there were godly men who were influential in my life. Mm -hmm who turned on the Lord yeah. and it didn't, it saddened me, yeah. but it never deterred me. Absolutely. I'm not changing because they did. Right. I've had men preach in my pulpit who I would never let back in my pulpit mm -hmm. because they've changed. You know, a lot of, a lot of preachers today are changing because their family's changing. Yeah. Look, if my kids <laughs> change, yeah. I'm, I've told them I, I'm not changing. So, you know, I have no problem nailing your hide to the wall like anybody else's. I'm not, because the Bible hasn't changed. Yeah. God hasn't changed. You know, that that's so true. So many times the parents didn't realize what their kids were into and their kids are changing and now they want the parents to change along with them. And so many of them do. And we've seen that and it's sad. So uh, I know for time, I don't want to keep this uh, first time too long, but, but the guy, thank you. I think great advice and great help. And uh, um, your church again, Harvest Baptist Church yes, and uh, website, uh, if they want to follow you or connect. HBC for Harvest Baptist Church, hbcallentown.org. 
hbcallentown.org. That's awesome. And uh, uh, they can also follow you on Twitter. And, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. And, um, the problem is on Facebook, they can't follow you very often because you're always getting kicked <laughs> off. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, I uh, quoted a Bible verse and spent six days in Facebook sale <laughs> for literally posting a Bible verse. That is, that is amazing. It, it just shows what direction the world is going mm-hmm. and how... how far mm-hmm. uh, different it is from what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. for God. So, uh, for the guy, thank you for taking the time to be on here, and uh, and I think it'll be very helpful to uh, to people there. So, uh, as our pastor would say, hey, be kind to everybody, because everybody's having a tough time, and I think it's a great advice. So, God bless you guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.